0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Terminus, the Public's Chicken Tender Sub of Extreme Metal Podcasts. I am the death metal guy, aka that feeling when your wife confronts you regarding all the time you spend pondering your mystic orb.
1: And I am the black metal guy, aka lyrical themes, uh nature, darkness, introspection. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: uh, yeah, it's everything on the atmospheric black metal channel nice
1: yes yeah uh the um dude i, I remembered the-, the aka thing i was trying to remember that i thought oh, I go for it was, it. i was gonna what do an it? orb one i was gonna do oh an you were orb gonna one, you, you were gonna do an orb one too i like how we were both ad- going for the orb <laughs> the hour of the orb
0: Hour of the orb. That's which. Is, so my period of meditation that my wife always confronts me about. Yeah, it's like exactly. You know, yes, um, women don't understand the orb. You know, I don't get it. <laughs>
1: I don't know. I got my. Uh, I actually got uh, me and my girlfriend a his and hers orb set. Hers is pink.
0: that's that's good (laughs) that's it's nice so you can ponder together does your your girl always give you grief for pondering your orb Uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's the first time we've done like a deep terminus discord in joke as as our intro
1: pretty much yes i i assume i assume the orb meme must be the orb memes must be coming from somewhere on the outside but uh (laughs) <laughs> They're certainly popular on our Discord.
0: Oh, dude, <laughs> pondering the orb. I mean, that—that that is a very—it's a very terminus activity, you know, to to ponder your orb
1: <laughs> while listening Absolutely. to Black Metal. <laughs> orbs out, lads. <laughs>
0: or, or, orbs out. All right, we got we got a fucking show to do. Oh Jesus, uh, we should just we should just finish it there. You got your orb talk for a couple minutes, boys. We're done. Um, <clears throat> all right, so. Uh, this uh, this show that we have to do. Okay, so uh, quick off the top, or should I put it at the end of the little like mini review at the front, the housekeeping what? stuff?
1: Yeah. Why don't why, why don't you? Yeah, that's that's yeah, a pr- good idea, isn't it? It's like it's the a- YouTube video starts with like the first five minutes, and then just as it gets interesting, it goes to the ad for Raid Shadow Legends.
0: Yeah, yeah, or for you know Manscape Razors or some shit.
1: Or like gold replicas of Napoleon.
0: (laughs) I wish there was. I wish there was more of that. Like, can we make uh, can we make YouTube ads a little bit more like um, late night TV ads, circa 1997, with like commemorative coins and shit? No, no,
1: they they are now, but it's just all moved to like the sort of because the History Channel now just does reality shows. It's all been moved to these sort of DIY history channels.
2: Oh
0: okay so you're watching yeah. like primitive technology or something and it's uh, no, uh,
1: Yeah or I've i I've watching I don't know there's some of them well, there was there was one that did a really good series on Napoleon that I cannot remember but there's also the Kings and Generals is pretty good especially for the military stuff mm-hmm. Yeah
0: All right so so we'll, t- we'll we'll keep the housekeeping to the uh, the end of the segment Yeah you know, it's just like and we're about to get into our show, but first, be sure to smash that like button, etc., etc. Okay, so. Oh,
1: <laughs> also, it. if you listen to us on Apple or something, leave a rating and perhaps even a review. Uh, I think a lot of people listen to us as a podcast rather than YouTube, and they are probably listening. There's a good chance you're listening on Apple Podcasts, but uh, yeah, you could uh, help us boost our ratings there. And it would be it's actually also... Also, the one other thing would be um, I should say, here's a classic YouTube whoring thing Um, We have 450 subscribers on YouTube. Can you help us get to 500 by the end of the year?
0: Oh man, that's like, that's old school like Call of Duty commentary video shit. It's like, I'll I'll release my next video if this gets 120 likes Oh Jesus Christ Uh, Everything old is new again Okay, so, uh, our little block up front, little mini review. Uh, so, last week we covered, uh, the debut record by Mondo Kane, uh, Black metal from Sweden. And this time, uh, a guy hit me up on Facebook, uh, and I directed him to our email. Yeah, any of you guys, if you want to hit me up and talk about music and want to submit something, please just send it directly to the email. I'm going to ask you to do that anyway, if you hit me on Facebook. Um... So, uh, this is a guy from a project called journey into darkness. Um, the individual behind this project was in a sort of a, a doom death band from the early nineties called sorrow. Um, it's like kind of deep cut, like earlier roadrunner stuff. That was probably, I mean, shit, that was probably when they were called road racer records. Um, But uh, Sorrow's uh, Hatred and Disgust is actually a pretty cool record from back then, and apparently he's got a a band that he's been doing for a while now, called Journey Into Darkness. Um, This is the third full-length, I guess he released his first one back in 96, and then it laid dormant for a while and came back in 2020. Uh, So this is the third record called Infinite Universe, Infinite Death. So basically what goes on here is uh, this is a symphonic black death project. Heavier on the black metal, but you can see where the death metal creeps in along the edges. Um, And this is this is very trench coat era in a lot of ways. This is Hmm. rooted right in the like early to mid 2000s, albeit with, you know, better production and kind of streamlined songwriting ideas for nowadays. Um, so I gave this one a listen earlier today, and I was just really surprised by uh, kind of the authentic relationship to that old sound and really what this sounds like at the end of the day. I, I've seen some other reviews. People are talking about this. Oh, it's kind of like a stripped down emperor or something like that. Now, what it really sounds like is limbonic art. Um mm. Uh, Limbonic art, uh, but maybe a little bit less, like, dancing on the keyboard, you know? (laughs) Limbonic
1: art was really keyboardy.
0: Yeah, extremely keyboardy. I I was giving them a listen before you came on just to make sure that I wasn't off-base, because I haven't listened to a full limbonic art album in, you know, eight years or something. Um, But yeah, very keyboardy. And this is also very keyboardy, very uh, symphonic instrument forward. Um, But I wouldn't say that it's like the dominant melodic voice. Uh, In the production, it's definitely the dominant sound, but ultimately it's more of a mixture between that and the guitars. Uh, Musically, this is really simple. I mean, the arrangements are kind of elaborate. There's a lot of different instrumental voices, but as far as just like riffing ideas and melodic ideas, these are all very straightforward concepts from like 98 black metal but kind of gussied up with some of the ideas from the 2000s. Um, it sounds like resolutely old school, which I found pretty interesting. You know, you get past the kind of sheen and like the the modern polished production, and you have something that wouldn't be completely out of place back in like 2003, 2004. Um, so real quick, uh, I'll just show you a, a quick sample. We can talk about it because uh, you haven't listened to this one. You know, we're kind of going back and forth doing like show it blind to the other guy sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's listen to uh, Infinite Disillusion, the second track on the record. And there's a pretty interesting little breakdown and rearrangement sequence on this that I want to highlight. So uh, one thing that I find interesting about this, which is pretty authentic to like symphonic black stuff from that era, which you don't hear now, is that nowadays if a band is symphonic, the emphasis is on using the symphonic arrangements as like a leading melodic idea. Like, everything is kind of a supporting cast to that. Like, if you're listening to something that, like, kids nowadays listen to, like Flesh God Apocalypse, that's what it's about. It's about these bombastic orchestral arrangements with kind of an extreme metal underpinning. Here, the symphonic stuff is used as kind of a blunt instrument. For the most part, it's just doubling up and doing, like, octave harmonies with the riffs underneath. So you get this interesting kind of authentically early 2000s just wall of sound effect where it's like how do I make this single very simple elemental riff really really big by stacking a bunch of instrumental voices on it you know
1: yeah that's certainly what stuck out to me I mean um, I think sometimes uh, octave harmonization can sound sound really heavy I was listening to a band from Texas called Voton with a V, but that writes about like Aztec or Mayan stuff. They had some kind of cool trench coat era Octavy stuff. Um, here, I feel like the keys and guitars are interfering with each other. You like, think so? There's, yeah, there's something on. Well, it's. Well, there's that basic simple. I mean, first of all, right, you've got to really sell. A harm, or a harmonic idea like that. Like, it's like if, if the whole thing is actually based on a single melodic line, right? The riffs have to be sick. In this mm-hmm. case, the riffs are kind of standard. What could deliver it might be some cool rhythmic stuff in the plane. But in that dimension, I feel like the guitars are timed to the kinds of rhythms you can get with the whatever kind of attack he's got on the keyboard pattern so you get this kind of herky jerky thing bum 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 or or when or when the guitar's dropped out at the beginning and the keys the keys came in right you could hear this boop 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 i mean just maybe just diminishing the attack on the keys or something like that making them smoother and more ethereal and mm-hmm. decoupling the guitar, the rhythmic playing in the guitar from that might go a long way towards giving this a lot more, giving this more uh, sort of, um, I don't know, more, more heaviosity. <laughs> well, I, I think you probably see
0: that. I, I imagine that this music is probably, I, I have a feeling that it starts on the keyboard. And then the mm-hmm. guitars are wrapped around that. I I, I think mm-hmm. it begins with these kind of simple, kind of Wagnerian classical stems. And then riffs are written underneath that. And perhaps that should be flipped around. But the uh, the second sample I have shows kind of a more dynamic side of the band. Um, cool. so, so this is going to be off the briefest moment. And here's where this whole kind of like 2000s quote-unquote symphonic extreme metal idea kind of comes together a little bit more you've got some more rhythmic variation it feels a little bit more dynamic it's still simple elemental part of the style of this band but I think this second sample is really maybe the direction that he should move in
1: more sophisticated
0: I was about to say listening to that again I was like well that probably that feels like it answers most of the questions you had regarding that first sample
1: yeah I mean there's definitely still some um, weird herky-jerky timing on the synths the sort of like better better just making the synths swell more would Mm -hmm. be good but he's because he wants them to double the guitar he's trying to get them to come in fast and I think it's just the problem of like, how do you play pizzicato strings on a keyboard?
0: Well, yeah, um, and it, I mean, it's entirely possible that the synths are just like programmed synth patches too. No,
1: I mean, I, yeah, that, I mean, that seems, it seems like they are, and so then it's like, maybe he should mess around with the patches a bit. But um, other than that, like, um, partly it works better because he does more sustain on the keyboards. And yeah. there's some he sort of frees the keyboards from the rhythm guitars, even in sort of like little ways. The rhythm, the keys are doing smoother stuff, and there they sound good when they're holding smoother notes. And just I, there was some interesting rhythmic stuff where it just kind of seesawed down, and then without any cue that we were changing riffs, just sort of uh, kept kept some of that rhythm, but jerked us into a new part. I don't know. It was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, uh, throughout the whole record, he's he's playing around a lot with this like 4-4 against, like 3-4 waltz time stuff, mm-hmm. um, which I, I guess may be like a signature of his. I mean, that was kind of a thing that Limbonic Art would play around with and, you know, some of the synth black bands from the 2000s. Would
1: Arcturus do that? Oh, possibly, but
0: who's ever listened to a whole Arcturus album? Come on. Well,
1: uh, I mean, I certainly haven't, but possibly. <laughs> mm.
0: I mean, I've—I I've, used to have long hair. I'm not that long hair though.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I—I I, I think I clicked on the Bandcamp once and uh, was like, "What the fuck is this?" And indexed it as something sounding like, like spooky space waltz. So.
0: No, like uh, the the first couple, uh, the first couple Arcturus records that are more like actual black metal are pretty good, but then they got into full prog territory, and yeah, definitely mm-hmm. lost me there. But so dressing
1: uh, up as like dwarves, space, space dwarves, dwarves piloting, some of you know, piloted, jo- I don't know, yeah, piloted dirigible through space. <laughs> no,
0: I, uh, so I, I, I think there is something here I mean we've been talking so much on the show just in the past few months about the idea of these kind of like 2000s variants on styles coming mm-hmm. back and I mean I, I'm not going to say that like I was sitting here craving two thousand symphonic black metal but but when it's presented to me I mean one there's definitely a nostalgic kick because I was listening to shit like this all the time when I was mm-hmm. younger um, but also it's like oh okay so maybe keyboards don't just have to be like ooh fucking tinkly fairy melodies and this is the black metal band that's about a unicorn and stuff now right, it's like ooh right, maybe right. they can be like bombastic and like elitist space vampire shit and i'm like okay i can i can get into that
1: <laughs> hey yo. this is brandon from cromleck and you're listening to terminus
0: Alright, we are back, uh, and this time we are listening to, but wait, you fuckers skipped ahead to get to the review, but no, 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 we put the housekeeping at the beginning of the first main section this time, we're (laughs) tricky. It's going to keep popping up at random times, halfway through reviews, in the middle of an interlude track, you never know. You know, it's... uh,
1: In the middle of my sentence.
0: (laughs) Yeah, just just cut you off, and then it's like, oh, by the way, Facebook. Alright, so before we get into the main show, social media... Facebook, the Death Metal Guy, at Terminus Podcast. Instagram, the Black Metal Guy, at Terminus Extreme Metal. And uh, for your uh, true support, Patreon or Subscribe Star, three dollars and up. Terminus Prime, five dollars and up. Discord, where you get to ponder your orb with other orb enthusiasts. Ten dollars and up, voting privileges to determine what the nature of your bonus episode that month will be. Black Metal Guy, let us continue. What orb do you have for us to ponder today?
1: Well, Death Metal Guy, I was gazing in my orb and it showed me an upcoming release by a band called Plebeian Grandstand, whose name I have heard sort of being uh, thrown around for, well, kind of a decade, I guess. Uh, We've, we know some guys who were listening to them back in the day. Uh, I've only ever had the vaguest idea of what this music is. I believe they're sort of on the, uh, uh, cited as, you know, people compare Serpent Column to them. I think it's supposed to be sort of uh, m- math math course stu- modern hardcore derived stuff that has a lot of black metal in it or something. Um, right, something with some relation to the ortho-diso school we've been talking about. Um, and, uh, I, you know, um, I still have not gone back and checked out their old albums, but this is, this is a band that has been important to a lot of people. And I figured, okay, well, they got a new one. Let's check it out. Uh, so this is, uh, Rien Ne Suffit, which I think is probably like nothing no, it's either nothing is enough or nothing is not enough. You want to uh, you want to Google Translate that for me while I'm talking? Yeah, sure. Yeah, Let's see. Sometimes they double negative. And this is out on Debbie more Morty Productions. So that means despite the sort of hardcore derivation, right, this is out on a prominent French black metal label, which just goes to show that... Uh, the most sort of the heavy or crushing orthodox aspect of french black metal french urban heavy urban black metal from france has always been closely joined with the hardcore scene uh things you could compare this to generally very generally would be stuff like celeste or throwan t-h-r-o-a-n-e Ron occasionally makes sounds that fa- sounds like buildings are falling down, or very often, and this record uh, is definitely going for the buildings falling down approach um, and, you know, generally this sort of, but you even get the hardcore underbelly on stuff like ASOT or whatever so this is coming out of that tradition and, you know, DSO which has their Crypto Screamo thing and all that so, um, you, you get an idea of the general neighborhood and point being, these guys have been doing this stuff since 2010, and really first EP in 2007. So I'd sort of be interested to see how the older records sound. Um, but as for this, this is a very obvious bid for like most extreme thing to come out this year, right? I mean, the it is uh, an attempt to carry this. Dissonant, clanging, orthodox BM-derived de- sound to its logical conclusion at the same time, integrate it with uh, aggressive elect- aggressive avant-garde electronic music, um and so in terms of the territory it's aiming for, sort of just um uh, ap- apocalyptic uh, you know apocalyptic meltdown uh, via the best of both worlds. Um it it's kind of shooting for the same territory as humanity's last breath. Mhm. Yeah, so what what do you what what's your overall impression of this? Oh, this is what retarded people
0: think Serpent Column sounds like.
1: That's certainly true.
0: Um <laughs> it, Okay, so it's it's what retarded people think Serpent Column sounds like. It's really not that extreme. Um it's it's very loud. It's very dissonant. But I... Th- this is a record here to shock people that don't listen to extreme music.
1: Yes. Um, I think
0: that's 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 it. Well, first of all, let's make it clear. It's not a metal record, not in any meaningful way. It's a... Scronky hardcore record that is not even ex- as extreme as other scronky hardcore records we've talked about. This is fundamentally less extreme than Sectioned, for instance. Oh, um, by far. This is less extreme than albums we've covered this year, and it's treading v- well, it's in probably, very less ex- <laughs> probably
1: less extreme than uh, anything any of the wild stuff Urban Column has done.
0: Yeah, it's like it's it's very it's it's got very clippy production and it's very technical. Sometimes I the drumming is very technical. The guitar stuff is you know, not as technical as it sounds. Um, it is uh, this is one of the first albums we've ever covered on the show where the guitar work and the riffing is absolutely the least interesting part of it. Um, what I will say to its credit, there is a Pretty neat electronic group Hiding within this hardcore band
1: I'm not sure I even Agree with that (laughs) But let's let's get into it Um, Oh let's fucking Get into it (laughs) uh, (laughs) Right So um, Yeah people have been requesting that we do More uh, just full on Critical reviews and people have been requesting That we cover some of the more relevant stuff Just because they want to know what we hear want to say about it, what have to mm-hmm. say about it, so uh, here we are, here we go. Um, this is the first track, uh, Mass Critique, so uh, first off, let's give you an idea of what the, before I go into the sample, idea of what this record's about. This record has a big press release, it wants to tell you what it's about. Um, this record, right, the, the, the quote in the, that begins the press release is, the fall is near, what to follow. Well, I mean, good fucking question. And anybody listening to extreme music today, uh, in any serious way, would probably agree it's a question they've posed. Um, and uh, here's, what, here's how it embellishes on that. Uh, um, on fourth full length, nothing is enough. Okay, there we go. Sui generis synthesis, plebeian grandstand, take a violent wrecking ball to the edifice of extreme music. Remolding the Yeah, I know. Remolding Just go on. the pieces. I'm gonna be
0: groaning the whole time.
1: Remolding the pieces as a mirror portal into psychological, societal, and global turmoil. Always unpredictable and extraordinary, the band okay, blah blah blah. Um, so this is uh so like the idea is they're going for a sort of horrifying social realism, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and fair enough, right? You know, because you know, every there's all sorts of No matter where you're coming from on it, right? Everyone says they can't wait for the collapse and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, uh, lest you forget uh, how the footage from Bosnia or Rwanda looked. Or, you know, if you're lucky, maybe you draw the long straw and you get Northern Ireland for 50 years. Um, Mm. Right? You get the troubles. Uh, Very deeply unpleasant stuff um, that people in, you know, who've grown up sheltered in the West uh, can have no, no imagination of. So maybe there's something to that. We're making a really ugly record that captures that without the sort of uh, the sort of uh, glorifying aspect that so many other albums do. So let's see how they do this. Yeah, I've heard (laughs) Connate. Is that what the vocals in Connate sound like?
0: Yeah, basically. Uh, This basically sounds like, this is like sped up Connate, basically. But nobody remembers what Connate sounds like, so if you do it again, it's like, it's really special.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: It's, um... So, in terms of, like, it's... So, whether it's original or not is... Yeah, I mean, that is a fair question because this record is... Basically, I mean, we've sort of we've kind of like hidden the elephant in the room as far as how this record is written we should have said up front like it basically puts the guitars not only are the guitars the least interesting part but it mostly is supposed to be written as a kind of electronic album with the drums and guitars doing things that are supposed to work textually. Uh mm-hmm. right so there's the sample you've just heard although it is the classic french orthodox clanging intro Um, it, it, it really sounds like that for the rest of the record, um, uh, in, in general. So the, uh, the record is really swinging for like a certain kind of abstraction and extremity and originality, right? So in terms of originality, okay, we can cross that off. Extremity? Well, yeah, I think opening your record with someone who sounds like he's in desperate pain, you know, like, you know, like he's just... Watched family members get mass executed or something, right? Uh, or lost a body part? Yeah, that's that's pretty extreme. It's definitely not like you know, it's it's jarring. It's not like um, uh, you know, the the kinds of anguish were familiar. Oh, the harsh vocals express emotion of anguish. Uh, <laughs> but the kind of emotions. of... <laughs> the, the, the kind of emotions of anguish that we are used to the harsh vocals expressing are usually things like right, sort of DSBM stuff, or you know, your varg, and you know, you uh, you stepped outside and remembered its modernity, um, or some, you know, this kind of anguish, right? Um, here, this is a much more kind of, some way less, some ways more uncomfortable. Um, for a spectator Uh, especially if you're taking the conceit of the record seriously and it's an impressive performance i have probably heard his voice to do that unfortunately Mm -hmm. this is easily the most extreme moment on the record
0: yeah Uh, you will continue to hear variations of this but with a blast beat under it and And, some tremolo riffs under it
1: and and without the kind of uh, modern greek tragedy vocal performance yeah you know which so like yeah and basically does the album just keep sounding this apocalyptic yeah but only in the sense that it replicates what periods of just uh you know social collapse and sort of mass violence sound like which is you know the proverbial long periods of boredom punctuated by sheer terror right but without the terror
2: yeah
0: mostly mostly without the terror which is like the operative problem I mean I guess honestly man my, my whole thing about this is that it, there's something about this record and I, I think that probably mutually the the, oh, no, the reason going. well like kind of like I said up front this feels like it is this isn't actually this is secretly not for people into extreme music like at all this is this is the most extreme record that, like, a record collector nerd has, you know?
1: Well, that's what I was... So, yes. So, here's the thing. Although, I have the flip side to that. Um, this goes together, though. Anyone who is used to listening to this sound palette, like, right that is the only moment, what we just played you, is the only moment on the record that's going to sound remotely jarring to anyone who has listened to uh, Paracletus, listened to earlier Ulcerate, listened to I don't know, like fucking Jane Doe, or like uh, Ad Nauseam from this year, any of the newer Disso mm-hmm. stuff, right? Any of yeah. these bands, orthodox cavern type bands we've covered on the show. If, if, if you've heard that stuff, or you've heard modern beatdown, mm-hmm. like, not, none of this is, or, you, or you're one of those crazy fucks who just listens to like, you know, real power electronics or harsh noise. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Like, like my co-host. Um, th- this isn't going to phase you at all. Um, and and so like if you're a person who listens to extreme music so you can it won't do it. It's just going to be a continuum of sounds that isolated might be unpleasant. Um, and in a sort of like, why am I listening to this way, rather than a sort of like, my mind is being peeled off way. Um and on the other hand, yeah, there's the other kind of listener you're describing is also very inured to extremity, right? The rate your music kind of avant. Dude, I
0: was guy. about to say this is gonna to be top ten metal records on rate your music, no question, for this year. Uh,
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, these these kinds of people who are F- sort of follow met- follow this invisible, wor- this alternate universe of metal that we generally try not to cover, right? Uh, and um, sort of keep track of metal from the outside. I think the current fashionable word is spectators, uh, which is a pretty good one. Um, I, I prefer shoppers. the old
0: school tourists. Sh-
1: oh, sorry, sorry, that was the word. Yeah, yeah, tourists, yeah. Um, tourists are window shoppers, but like... Um, these sorts of people listen to a lot of really extreme music. You know, they really do, right? If you look down the similar artists list, we got Plebeian Grandstand. We get uh, it's part of this its own. It's got its own canon, right? Mm-hmm. Spell Omega, Dodecahedron, Serpent Column is the number three sound alike. Maybe it's yeah. These are like these
0: are the similar stuff. artists on uh yeah. on Metal Im- Archives.
1: Imperial <laughs> Triumphant, Um, Ulcerate, uh Piran, Gorguts, Bloodhouse, Nord, right. Uh, it really sounds like secret.
0: none of these, of course. Right. <laughs> the
1: Secret, who sucks, Haxes, who are good. Jute Guide who sucks. Celeste, who are good. Anyway, it keeps going. Um, but point is, like, if you're into this stuff, um, uh, the, the people who follow this sort of thing um, are very inured to extremity, mm-hmm. and it's in part because they choose bands where all the noise flows by them.
2: Yeah, it's and actually that's one of the problems. Easier,
1: it's yeah, actually that's... easier to les- listen to a record of really continuous harsh noise harsh noisy dissonant textures than it is to listen to a record like um as you were gonna say, that that sectioned, right, where the riffing yeah. suggests immediate physical violence.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean it is uh, I, well let me let me get to a sample, because we, we could just like be fucking angry the whole time, but let me pretend to wrap a review around this. Alright, so the black metal parts of this suck. Um, this is n- And this is not a black metal band in any meaningful way. Um, I don't even know why this is really considered part of the metal scene, apart from the fact that, like, weird scronky hardcore has, like, infiltrated black metal to such a degree that they're considered, like, basically sister genres at this point, which is bizarre because the, the like energizing impulse behind each is radically different. Um, so let's, let's listen to one of the metal songs. Uh, this is a a later place on the album. So this is a, uh, Rienne Fate. This is kind of the closest, at least for me, that the more metallic stuff on this record kind of landed. Um, and it's really because of its proximity to the stuff that's much more interesting, which are kind of like the noise textures, the electronic stuff, yada, yada, yada. So what you're going to hear in abrupt succession is like mediocre black metal part, cool noise part, mediocre black metal part, cool hardcore part, etc. Leading me to my... my <laughs> Oh shit, that's like all my favorite bands. <laughs> well, you know minus the mediocre part. Um,
2: so
0: I'll we'll listen to this and it's like, dude, it's so clear. it's it's like it's like binary notation. it's like one zero one zero. It's like good, bad, good, bad. All right, so let's listen to this one. So I like the analog, the distorted analog synths that sound like a distorted elephant trumpet. That's cool. Um, Um,
1: That's yeah. That's the other highlight of the record.
0: Yeah, that's that's neat. Um, I like some of the more hardcore rhythmic stuff going on, Um, but the black metal riffs suck. They're not real riffs. Have we run out of spooky orthodox arpeggios yet? Like, is it even possible to fucking write one anymore that
1: hasn't been done before? Well, I was just thinking, if you're really into this shit, I mean, for well, okay, the people who are really into this shit are not listening to riffs, right? But, like, Mm -hmm. if... They're listening to production and vague texture. But um, if you were really into this shit and took it really earnestly and listened to the riff. we're getting to a stage where it's developing its own standard vocabulary. So mm-hmm. like you could go, just like we'll listen through something and be like, oh yeah, that's like a cool variant on a Satanic Warmaster riff, but they turn it around a bit at the end more like, a, you know, who, who knows, yeah, more yeah. like Emperor, right? You know, all the shit we do on this show, basically. Mm-hmm. You could, if you were really into disso stuff, you could start to identify things like that. So like at the end, it was like, oh, there's, I started to hear like, oh, there's the riff. Mm-hmm. Where you sort of like, uh, you sort of trem in a kind of nebulous way and then you feather up the arpeggio and hit this kind of major key thing. I mean, that Azothist record had an entire song built on, I think, that exact idea.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
1: it's, So it's like getting its own standard riffs. The problem is they all suck.
0: Yeah, they all suck. And also we literally heard an We we heard the ad nauseum record earlier this year, which is an album basically built out of those riffs, and all of them are better than everything on this album. Oh yeah, I mean
1: to be sure, yeah, we have given there are things in this tradition that we have uh, given better reviews than this. I think at this point, listening to this makes us listening to this brings out everything we find frustrating about the worst versions of it.
0: Yeah, um, no. It's it's like there's plenty of we've covered a we've covered a lot of like really dissonant stuff this year. It's just like I, I think we have compelling reasons for why all of it's categorically better than this. This has this like this has this like a baiting quality to it where it's just like I don't know. This this is such a frustrating record. Like so intensely, and uh, well, and before people can like address it in the comments, yeah, of course, it partially it's like, in internecine scenester warfare shit. Yeah, okay, congratulations.
1: Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But I'll, that that's not really it though, because like, I like Celeste, I like Hexus. Those are very black clean. This is the ultimate clean black T-shirt band, right? But <laughs> yeah. those are those are very clean black t-shirt French hardcore black metal kind of things. I think Hexus is from Belgium or something. But um, they're same deal. Those are good bands, like good. Like mm-hmm. I like I, I talk about liking Celeste on this show. Like I mean, they're not quite seen as black metal bands in the same way. It's weird that plebeian have this cred within the metal scene. That's for sure, or are seen as metal. Um, I mean, but I think it's it's, our kind of seen as a black metal band, or were back in the day, and have way more to do with it than this does because Celeste is kind of relentless, uh, relentless monochrome riffs.
0: But it's like, plebeian grandstand are only considered part of the metal scene because of, like record collector nerds on Rate Your Music and, like, the coolest guy at Decibel shoving this kind of shit down our throats. You know, that's...
1: <laughs> well, so, yes. Okay, so there's some interesting politics to it. The other thing is just... I mean, I, I gotta... Gotta say it again. You know, the classic... We've... Ref, I think the Hessian Firm guys have talked about the kazoo test, which is not a phrase I'd heard... Or is I think, a phrase I'd heard back in the day but forgotten. But it's really just the idea that, like... Music with certain, I'm open to more exceptions to this rule now in certain cases, but generally speaking, musical ideas, unless you're like making them with pedals or on a computer, mm-hmm. musical ideas should sound cool if you're playing them on acoustic guitar or on a fucking kazoo. Ah, um, uh, yeah, yeah. And it's in part because power comes from melody and rhythm before anything else. Hmm. um it comes from the elemental form of the thing and this is all in texture manipulation um yeah it's it, it comes from melody rhythm harmony um that's what makes metal powerful and scary it's not all the noisy stuff it's the riffs if you played demisterius on a verbed out like acoustic guitar it would be terrifying And in fact Yeah, it's, a lot of it will be scary as in fuck In fact, yeah. I mean In, in fact, you know That approach to guitar production Is on following the voice of blood Basically, right? I mean, that's yeah. kind of like I mean, you know People have done that, essentially um, Or, you know The other thing is like Iron Maiden played on tinny laptop speakers It's still very heavy Because it's Iron Maiden Yeah, yeah
0: it's like I mean, this is this is the 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 terrible consequence of Anthony Fantano becoming the world's most important music critic.
1: <laughs> are you saying that the oh yeah? Are you saying that the low end production is sort of uh, very is is really just massive and heavy and murky and just
0: it's massive and heavy. And and abrasive you know it really gives you that feeling of you know darkness and intensity and shit what the fuck <laughs> how many times have that, we done that, that was, on I this show now <laughs> quoting, I,
1: I think we're literally quote if for our listeners if you're curious i think we're literally quoting his review of a Zabala record probably hasta la marta
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah 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 that was or uh... tiara <laughs> Liberdot or something one of those two i don't know
0: yeah. Okay, okay. So here's here's the, the one th- concession that I'm going to give to this record. I think, maybe unlike you, that there's a pretty cool electronic project lurking within. Because there's a couple tracks that are straight electronic on this. And I think those are the highlights of the record. I think that if they created a record of just this kind of material, I would actually listen to it and enjoy it a lot. So let's go to a track called Trapeze It's like just under three minutes. We'll listen to the whole thing. And for me, the, the, the salient question, you know, while you're listening to it is clearly their heart is in this. This is where the band resides mentally. So why are we wrapping a crappy Orthodox black metal record around it? So honestly, that I can get behind. You know, I I like the uh, I I, I like the kind of like power electronic style textures. I like the kind of breakbeat style drumming. The harsh vocals are pretty cool. Um, All that put together. That sounds neat to me. I'd listen to a half hour record of shit that sounds like that. So why do I have to listen to 40 minutes of blast beats and like spooky orthodox arpeggios to get to that
1: yeah that is definitely one of the better parts on the record i'll I'll give you that um and uh yeah the vocals there are that's one of the few places where the vocals approach the extremity of the beginning of the record um Mm -hmm. there you know uh he sounds pretty pretty frenzied there but um and, you know, this sort of, yeah, double-time mecha blasts, which I think are being played by a real drummer, but clearly are simulating a drum machine. Uh, it's, um... That's all, yeah, that, that's all pretty good. And I like the note of tonality at the end. Like, one of the things that's closest to a riff... And, and I, yes, I know you can write really dissonant, crazy riffs, of course. But, like, one of the things that's closest to a... a, a Something with some definition and power to it on this record is just the dubstep bass line at the end. <laughs> you know, you get, that, you get that falling bass line. It's like, ah, tonal color and sort of a, a defined thing that one can, one can engage with. Um, well, that's, it, and uh, that's
0: the thing is like a, an album of wall to wall chaos, or it, it's not even chaotic, but mm-hmm. you know what I mean. The affect of yeah, chaos yeah, yeah, yeah. has no yes. power like it, it it has no real energy behind it because there's no there's no contours or definition to it i mean you get something like power electronics it uh. kind of gets away with it because it has like a, a usually like a vocal line guiding it providing these kind of mm-hmm. signposts mm-hmm. to create structure and to make everything very heavy for the most part For the most part this record just circles around itself it's just like oh spooky arpeggios blast beats uh, none of that's extreme anymore i mean the most extreme moments are the electronic ones
1: well this is a classic punk scene issue which is its reactive definition of power Mm -hmm. punk thinks of power as exercised against that's the only way it can legitimate power um it thinks of it as sort of rebellious, deconstructive, breaking down, and it associates like it with like chaos, demolition of form or something, right? For it's like punk is the mo- like power is like things falling apart and being like uh, blown open and shit. Um, the problem is simply that like, that's not how it works. And if you want a good example, listen to uh, hear nothing, see nothing, say nothing or why. Which are mm-hmm. based on sort of monolithic clarity of form, um, yeah, and and you know listen to something like Crass, which really does sound very punk and has the same kind of unpleasant wall of sound quality that this record has, right? Sort of inner mm-hmm. clattering, right? Successfully sounds, successfully sounds like it's. Um, you know uh demolishing boundaries and you know oh, scrambling scrambling categories and whatever and it's like yeah sounds like a fucking mess um and <laughs> you know and so this record is it has that kind of misconception about power that animates a lot of punk stuff um and which is like the opposite of what you'd get on say an iron maiden record mm-hmm. um yeah the um which is just like I mean, Iron Maiden is almost like laughing it's I just almost imagine that like like Eddie laughing or something, right? this music is just Iron Maiden is like from the perspective of music like this, Iron Maiden is the most naive, tinkly, like childish sort of uh music, but Iron Maiden's a lot heavier, um, oh yeah, uh so let's go to um you know, I think. I don't even think we need to go to my sample. I mean, there's a part Maudit is also a good part. Um, I think there's a place where, eh, in fairness, due dil- given how negative we're being, let's go and do diligence. But I really just want to get back to the stuff we're already talking about. Basically what I wanted to highlight there was just what you described uh, with more knowledge of how this works than me as an analog synth making a screaming apocalyptic elephant noise, right? Yeah. That's cool. Um
0: and the the continuous yeah. gravity blast is cool. I like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, the drumming, I think one thing we can all agree on is the drumming is good. Um but um the uh the sort of you know, the guitar, that's one of the only places the guitar works in any real way there, and it's because it's playing the rhythm part to the elephant, right? Mm-hmm. Or to the air, yeah. like, or, you know, I think the other thing the key is are supposed to sound like is an air raid siren, and in some ways, I think this record is in dialogue with Hear Nothing, See Nothing, Say Nothing, which is kind of a record that's about the horrors of apocalypse and nuclear war, but kind of ends up making them just sound cool. Whereas uh th- this record is trying to do sort of the opposite. But you got a similar thing. This idea is
0: trying like- this is trying to insist like how uncool it really is. You know Yes.
1: Um and you know, there sure there there could be an artistic point to be made there, but it ain't being made here. Um the uh the the sort of The trumpeting thing or the air raid siren, it's cool because it's like Discharge has samples of things like that, right? But here they're being used as, it's like, okay, let's manipulate, or the air raid siren that every war metal band samples at the beginning of the record, right? Mm -hmm. Let's take that and turn it into a melodic line and manipulate it. Okay, there you're working with form in in a powerful way. There you are, and you're doing it so in a way that's specific to electronics, right? You're manipulating pure sound in a way you can't on a guitar. It sounds really cool and really heavy. It, And although you're not really, it's like moving through semitones and stuff. It's playing a melody, right? That, that's like you're riffing with an air raid siren. That's cool. um. But like... Yeah, so about the electronic stuff, I guess I agree with you that it's the strongest thing here, and that those are the parts we both like the best, mm-hmm. but in terms of innovation or whatever, which is one of clearly one of the claims here, or groundbreaking extremity, all of the electronic stuff on this record dates back to pretty much exactly the same time as the main reference points in the guitar work. Mm-hmm. Um You know, I think um, this, I mean, what does it sound like, right? It sounds like, um, uh, you know, fuck, Empty Set, right? Yeah, Uh, yeah. Empty Set or any of the, like, it sounds like a bunch of breakcore shit that I can't remember that you would probably know better than me. But like, right, there's a whole genre called, if you want stuff that sounds like the best electronic parts on this with the sort of screaming and the grinding blasts and the and the sort of, like, shrieking, harsh noise. There's a whole genre called breakcore that just sounds like that. You,
0: you right? can even listen to one that has that drumming, but uh, samples Slayer riffs. It's called Drumcore. They're really good.
1: <laughs> <You> <laughs> and could it's heavier listen, than this. <laughs> you could even listen to Sectioned, which plays breakcore with guitars, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and has really good electronic work in it. I mean, but, like, as far the electronic ideas basically are... Sure, I guess the last time there was a quantum leap in extreme electronics unless I've been missing some new shit, right, which I probably have. But there was a quantum leap in electronic extremity in around eh, 2010, 2012, 2013, dark techno stuff, ancient methods regis, you know, um uh and also just all these responses to dubstep, just super various kinds of super crushing aggressive responses to dubstep like Empty Set. Um uh-huh. Uh, and at the same time, that's right when the modern, orthodox guitar style, that now gets called avant-garde black metal or whatever, was actually avant-garde, right? <laughs> was being codified, right? That's around the time of Paracletus. It's around the time of, you know, like, Ulcerate was kind of peaking, right? All, all this stuff was sort of, Aesoth was about to put out Arrow and Heart, um, right around that time. Um So, you know, to me it seems like they've just taken, this is supposed to be groundbreaking. All they've done is they've taken the last 10 years of extreme Metal and Electronica, carried it to a logical conclusion that we already knew was there. And to me this record feels like someone explaining a joke.
0: All right, and we are back with what else can happen when you bring hardcore into extreme metal. Um, so I guess to introduce this, I, I will admit to my uh, my character flaw here. So Which on one? this show... <sighs> God, where do I begin? Damn. Hmm. So we've been doing this show for about a year and a half, and we've had this kind of like odd love-hate relationship with Maggot Stomp. Um, we covered uh, some old fluids on Maggot Stomp. We covered that in Coffinized Um Man. maybe something else. But yeah, but you know, just just in the time since we started the show, Maggot Stomp has become such a household name, and I've run into so many people in my local scene that are just obsessed with everything that label puts out. I fell back on my underground scene kid laurels and was like, well, I guess I'm fucking done with Maggot Stomp. Um, So, the record we're covering is the debut full-length by 200 Stab Wounds titled Slave to the Scalpel. And I went into this expecting to be too cool for it. Expecting to uh, just be like, oh, well, it's Maggot Stomp. It's more more punk kids playing death metal. I mean, it's all right for what it is, but, you know. Um, And I have to eat my words because this is a... This is an excellent death metal record. Just full stop, no qualifiers. This is a really great death metal album. Um, 200 Stab Wounds, for those who aren't familiar, like I said, they're one of the classics of the Maggot Stomp roster, along with, I I guess, a lot of bands that have moved on to different labels now, like Fluids and uh, Bug. What about Um, that,
1: um, the Ice Band?
0: Frozen Soul? Were they on Maggot
1: Stomp? I, I think they were. Jesus Christ. If they're not their Maggot Stomp adjacent.
0: I think they're, they're Maggot Stomp adjacent. Oh, no, their first demo was on ah, Maggot
1: Stomp. I knew it. Um,
0: yeah, so so Century Media has now scooped Frozen Soul and Bog, and then Hell's Headbanger scoops Fluid. So it's like, who's, who's left on the fucking roster? Well, I guess 200 stab wounds has to carry him into the future. And if that's the case, then Maggot Stomp can still be very healthy, because... This is... I gotta say, I I am so impressed by this album. Uh, So, this is one of the flagship bands of Maggot Stomp. I'm dimly familiar with some of their stuff, but I don't think I ever really gave it a chance. But, you know, I I sat down and listened to this record, and what I got was... I guess for the first time I'll say on this show, full-spectrum death metal, in the same way Mm. that we talk about full-spectrum black metal. Uh, You know, when we use that about black metal, we mean you know, like black metal was back in the second wave, it incorporated everything around it. You know, it was not specifically raw or melodic. It was not specifically punky or more heavy metal. It, it gathered up all of those ideas and presented it in a complete package. And that's really what 200 Stab Wounds does here. These guys are reaching into so many different dimensions of death metal. We've got a lot of very traditional old school death metal on here. We've got brutal and slam death, and then we've got a lot of modern kind of hardcore meets death metal as well. And the result is something that sounds surprisingly unique, really well-rounded, but not with the edges sanded off. And it's, you know, it's almost a cliché to say that a band like this is heavier than, you know, their brutal death contemporaries but in a lot of cases, it's kind of true here. These guys are excellent songwriters, and I—I I, I don't know what to say. I was just super surprised by just how excellent this record is. Um, so I—I I mean, well, black metal guy, what do you think of this one?
1: Um, yeah, I think it's really good. Um, I definitely think it's sort of how I wish more kinds of death metal would sound these days uh um so this also sort of gave me you know actually i'm gonna save my my sort of idea which i i know is is slightly off target but i'm gonna save that for after my sample would you mind if i just did the sample
0: Oh, yeah, and I, I'd like to say that the two tracks that you sampled were two tracks that I was considering sampling. So we're definitely of exactly the same mind of what the best tracks on this record are.
1: Yeah, all, okay, cool. Yeah, also, it's just, yeah, I think I was actually going to sample maybe one of the ones you did. So uh, um, so let us listen to, uh, yeah, my really real creative sampling. I know the first track, but this is a minute <laughs> and 25 seconds in. Uh, and it's gonna start us off with something you might expect—a kind of sawing, sawing, two-note brutal death metal blast, which might, I'm guessing is kind of a mortician thing. Um, and then it's gonna, it's gonna death. Uh, Slayer. Um, oh, yeah. So that was the thing that really surprised me. right? We got that Mortician Blast, and then we got that kind of like retarded skank thing where they keep the riff going. It's like, okay, that kind of makes sense. Sped up two-step thing. And then you just get this just really confident, crisp right-hand stuff. Just like I'm going to do two triplet sort of trills, and then just like like thrash out the you know, thrash out the root note on the end. And it's like, whoa, those are that's that's a Slayer riff. That's that's mm-hmm. Slayer. Um, and you get that kind of like just tempo pushing, tempo pushing two-step stuff, and then they break it down further, and you get, you know, da 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 yeah, right. I'm using <laughs> that I'm using that term advisedly to refer to what it meant before, you know, at the Gates clones, right? Um, to mean like so like from you know, like specifically, right, there was this whole tendency in nineties hardcore and early two thousands hardcore where you could call Slayer core, just like, okay, that's the starting point for aggressive for, for hardcore now, and you get like uh integrity or all out war, and later, sort of in that vein. Of course, you get stuff like Heybreed or whatever, but um, uh, and a whole bunch of really cool European bands that I I just don't know well enough. I mean, even the early Heaven Shall Burn stuff is kind of in that vein, like mm-hmm. like sort of slayery, crushing hardcore with blast beats and sometimes death growls, like uh, um. But yeah, so you just get that, and the the. The, the work with the palm mutes, just the the right hand stuff is insane, right? He just th- then they just do that sort of like they they sink into that groove and the solo starts. And for any other band that that could be like hitting the sock pedal, right? <laughs> yeah. And instead they keep the intensity in the right hand, and it's kind it's like that's kind of like criminally insane, right? Yeah, yeah, criminally insane. Yeah, um, where there's, there's this sort of ride cymbal thing or whatever, uh, and um and the soloing is really good. So I don't know. That, that's just really good. But I was struck by... I think you're right that I can hear things that synthesize brutal death metal and and some brutal death metal and, like, old school death and more sort of modern beatdown and slam influence stuff. There's a remarkable amount of Slayer influence on here.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think the there's an omnipresent kind of thrash and thrash meets hardcore influence across this which is fascinating um which is also interesting because this is not in any way death thrash no. you know this is this is a purely death metal record this is this is one of the few records we've ever covered on the show that I would just call death metal no qualifiers you know it is it is a death metal record um but i, I you you've written some really interesting stuff. You've got a very cool thesis oh, kind of thanks. about this record and the stuff. No, it's it's very smart, and I think we're going to have a lot of good kind of discussion about it. So, what do you, you want think? me
1: to? You want me to hit the bong now or on Slave to the Scalpel? Because we can also do it later. <laughs> so
0: it's yours. Um, um, well, I, I want you to hit the bong now because I've got a sample from a different band that I'd like to play to. to oh, that's of, right, that's right. Uh, you yeah. know, relate to what you want to talk about
1: yeah so in terms of positioning this right so obviously this sounds on the one hand it synthesizes all this stuff on the other hand it sounds kind of like nothing else around today right so the slayer thing is just so intense there down to the note choice and um so right at this point right if you listen to if you're really into death metal or black metal you're probably familiar with the idea of thinking of slayer as a death metal band right just not really having anything to do with the other quote unquote big four right uh This band seems to think, their hypothesis seems to be that what death metal is, is building on Slayer. And that's as quite distinct to different starting points that you could pick, and much more popular starting points you could pick for death metal. So like there's, you could do your, you know, if you're in your character selection,
2: (laughs) screen for your death
1: metal band, right? It's like, you could be like the death, early death and possessed guy, right? Or you can be like the entombed guy, and you get a heavy debuff, debuff to intelligence. Or you could be the <laughs> incantation guy, right, and you get a debuff to, like, vitality. Um, or, you know, <laughs> suffocation, right? Um, uh, and um, all this is, right, th- those are some common starting points for, for all contemporary death metal bands. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of those are influenced by Slayer. I mean, God, right? You can. I mean, you can go through Entombed and find the Slayer riff, right? But uh, yeah, yeah. But they're they're different, and Death was kind of Death and Possessed were kind of in parallel to Slayer, really. Uh, but but you know, it's a very different way of starting death metal, uh, and it's and that the, that hypothesis that what's really important to Slayer. Is what allows them to find a common thread through these styles that we often think of as really different, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, school death metal, uh, modern brutal death, and modern sort of, uh, or modern and early two thousands brutal death, right? And sort of modern, let's say avant pit music,
2: right? Mm-hmm.
1: Or modern yeah. modern beatdown slam, right? Uh, um, and so it's. The Slayer gives you a through line through all those Because as we've talked about on the show I think because I don't know anything about Modern death metal, I bring this up a lot When we re- review Tech Death or Brutal Death The weird kind of Crypto thrash aspect a lot of those Bands have mm-hmm. um, Even just in the way that the default Riff for some of the most abstract Brutal Death bands Is just continuous streams of 16th notes Or the way that like a band like Cycroptic just sounds like thrash Um yep. Uh, and, you know, similarly, the modern beatdown stuff. Well, that all has Slayer behind it, and I'll get to that in a sec. And then the old school death battle also all has Slayer behind it. So the interesting thing is, although this is influenced by beatdown, it's mostly in the vein of production, right? Mm, yeah, yeah. Really thick, crushing tone and willingness to get ignorant, right? It's culturally influenced by beatdown. But the rhythms and the note choice and the inflection in the tone are all in this slayer core vein like to me this like this would sound more familiar to someone from the early 2000s than about to someone now um, exactly yes, exactly
0: it would. would um so one just brief aside production on this record is incredible this oh. is what a mainline death metal record should sound like this is I was, awesome
1: i was gonna say that yeah my one last note on the, the galaxy brand is the uh what the production does is it takes the size of the beatdown tone and then it crisps it in the way that Slayer had this fantastically crisp tone or some of the Slayer core bands did Um, Mm -hmm. uh, or you know like Catharsis in the more crusty side of things a really crisp sort of uh, searing tone and so here you get so suddenly the music has more bite than, you know, like obviously we fucking love Zabalba and we love shit like that, but in the wake of that, the music could sort of beat down, could get very flabby and sort of regress back to deathcore, like boong, 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 right? Or like the things that we don't like about new metal. But so this is like, you take that tone mass and you give it sharp edges and it becomes really crisp and powerful and enjoyable.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it, it sounds wonderful. It's a perfect, you know, everybody knows me. I love Brutal Death and Slam so much, but the tone as far as mainline death metal, this is phenomenal, phenomenal recording and production. But kind of like uh, bridging off of the Slayer idea, um, mm-hmm. the idea of Slayer as a starting point for death metal and also talking about the early and mid-2000s. Uh, have you ever actually listened to because I think your thesis is basically correct that this is an idea of okay what if Death Metal is about Slayer but what's the immediate influence to a band like this well have you ever listened to Skinless from New York
1: no I think um, no I have not I think the name and the the logo make them seem I, I think they're too easily confused with that band Skindred (laughs)
0: Uh, my my favorite reggae metal band okay so so skinless and this is what we're talking about we're we're going back to the early mid-2000s skinless um, you got into the stuff a little bit later than me but right around it was probably the tail end of when you got into things skinless was a household name Uh, they were a just really well-loved like not the biggest but like you know the second string death metal band. They were wonderful. Um, Incredible band. They're still around, still doing records, but they've never gotten back to the prominence they had in the 2000s. But listening to this record, I was like, holy shit, this might be a primary influence here Hmm. of all things. So let's listen to the title track off, I think it's their third record, uh, Trample the Weak, Hurdle the Dead third or fourth record and listen to a clip off this and tell me if you don't hear the similarity
2: here we're not just going to shoot the bastard we're going to cut out their living guts and use them to grease the treads of our tanks we're going to murder those bastards by the bushes.
0: So yeah, you see the uh, there's a very similar energy going on with that band.
1: Yeah, very, I, I get exactly what you mean. If it, you know, in some way, if anything, um, uh, if anything, uh, two hundred stab wounds is a little more more slayery than this in some way, and that the 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 skinless seems to really like hanging out at mid tempo. Um, yeah, yeah. But um, but what they do with those sort of lower mid tempo slayery rhythms, absolutely the same kind of vocabulary. You could basically see this as like same structural ideas as some of the Slayer core bands, but just played with death metal inflections. Like and it's it's really good. The embellot like they basically can just fit way more cool stuff in the same amount of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like, think that uh I mean, that so obviously
0: they're coming from the New York death metal scene. New York death metal has always had hardcore in it, just yeah, formatively. Yeah. Um, but also, I, I think what we're seeing is a, a cool kind of trend as far as the age of these guys goes. Because mm-hmm. I, I did a little bit of digging, it looks like these guys are in their like early to mid 20s, they're pretty young. Um, mm-hmm. But then let's look back. So nowadays, uh, I I was an early bloomer, but my age when I got into extreme metal, like 12 or 13, that's pretty common now. So let's say these guys are, you know, seven years younger than us, and then they're 12 or 13. Well, that puts them getting into this right in the mid to late 2000s. So it's very easy that maybe the first death metal record they heard, a formative influence, wouldn't necessarily be old school death metal. It would be like early to mid two thousands. It might be skinless, impaled, older, mm. aborted stuff. Stuff that we take for granted now is just being like, oh, that's that's on Century Media. That's on Relapse. We don't care about that. But uh, those like
1: those are forty nine
0: yeah 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 1349 being like a, a formative influence for a black metal band
2: mm-hmm. who
0: are guys like you know five to five to mm-hmm. eight years younger than us um but something interesting that you also wrote was about the idea of like the the interaction between hardcore and death metal uh the idea of like you described it as hardcore body snatching death metal so do you want to talk about that for a moment before i get into my sample
1: yeah, well, I was I was just saying, like, I mean, you could take the Slayer thesis even further and just go, or the Slayer hypothesis, and um, you could say, like, some something we say on the show sometimes is, you know, wasn't Slayer just the most advanced hardcore band of the mid-'80s? <laughs>
0: basically, like, yeah.
1: Most advanced D-Beat-based hardcore band. You know, something like that, right? Um, hardcore starting from D-Beat and the Misfits, basically. Um, and y- you could... Uh, There is really something to that, especially in the middle of *Rain and Blood. Uh, And if those guys are on to that, consciously or unconsciously, then it's kind of like maybe they grew up listening to a lot of hardcore. They've found, or just listening to hardcore and death metal sort of alongside each other without almost a distinction. And they found there's this sort of prehistoric line where, like, death metal just... Is a Mutant Hardcore mm-hmm. um, and where that's almost I mean we stress the influence of that stuff on death and black metal all the time um, but like so if you, if you take that idea to it it's like okay if Slayer was kind of a hardcore band then Death Metal and Death Metal is Slayer then Death Metal should be thrashing hardcore um, and similarly then it's like that goes along with that sort of hardcore perspective history of death metal, sort of revisionist history, kind of goes along with what we've seen socially, right? Which is mm-hmm. that like something like maggot stop, acts stomp acts like a hardcore label. The people yeah. around it act like hardcore people. Many of them have short hair or have recently developed long hair. <laughs> uh, some of them might sort of superficially display very theatrical versions of metal stuff like crazy sunglasses right but um but they um uh but you know they 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 also gym shorts and shit even though the bands often sound like early 90s death metal in some ways right they're 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 imitating mortician or whatever right yeah there's there's the gestures are very hardcore and many of these people are just like hardcore dudes who got into death metal and so there's so if you're saying this is the new default death metal sound and it might be that that is
0: that is my hot take is that this is what death metal mainline death metal will sound like for the next 10 years
1: and i think you would kind of say it should sound like that right
0: oh oh, dude, fuck yeah absolutely this is great
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah and i mean i think this is great too so then the question is does Mainline death metal, aspiring in the classic way to maximalism, heaviosity, bang your head, um, stuff like that. If, if mainline kind of fun death metal is going to sound like this, is that now just hardcore? Has the hardcore scene just sort of, is that now an outgrowth of hardcore? And there are other kinds of death metal doing other things.
0: Well, here's here's kind of my response to that. God, we the, the samples are assembled so wonderfully on this one. We got so lucky with the way these are laid out. Here's my response to that. We're going to go to the track Itty Bitty Pieces. We're going to listen to the first half of it. And now, especially after listening to that skinless sample that was a, a great example of mid-2000s mainline death metal, I want you to listen to this carefully and tell me... Which riffs from this are hardcore and which are death metal or moreover, which could not be featured on either side of the genre equation? Ladies and gentlemen, my thesis is that any of those riffs could be on either a hardcore or a death metal record now. My other hot take, apart from this being the sound of death metal in the future, is death metal and hardcore are damn near the same thing now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think... It's gotta be true, and maybe if the Slayer Hypothesis is right Sort of uh, always in, in so, To some degree Always kind of were uh,
2: The weird yeah, thing yeah. is a
1: lot of these riffs A lot of these death metal, certainly They could be played by either band today uh, Either genre today um, A lot of them couldn't have been Played by a hardcore band in the early 90s But certainly some But of by them the time of like
0: more... By the time of like Perseverance era Hatebreed,
1: yeah yeah, and some of it sounds like um or like yes uh, or fucking you know we love Shattered Realm right but um yeah <laughs> uh, but like some of the most death doom sounding ones like at the beginning right those riffs that sound kind of like like the it opened with like a winter kind of riff mm-hmm. um right and winter was one of those things that was rediscovered sometimes more by hardcore people I think by Coffins um and uh, you know like. Some of that, some of the opening of the track you could have heard being on sort of a winter type record or incantation type record in the mm-hmm. early 90s, like some of one of those first riffs. Um, and a lot of that stuff has just been completely incorporated into the uh, you know, uh, post beatdown, post HM2 worship hardcore world, right? Um, yeah, well, I think you touch only on the thing that the only thing that sounds very now. Like yeah, so what's remarkable is a it could be from either now. B it doesn't sound very like there's not much that makes it sound trendy. The only thing mm-hmm. that make marks it as a very now band is the uh, the sort of the mongoloid skank. Um, yeah, which yeah. is sort of the that's that's the caveman shit trademark basically, right? And mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, that is something you would have been more likely to get on a gore grind record or something gets picked up by the hardcore scene and integrated with the sort of one two slow skank stuff from early lots of stompy early 2000s stompy 2000s hardcore
0: yeah i and think then the
1: becomes the the caveman riff
0: i think the specific origin of that stuff is like a a, a semi deep cut it probably is nowadays from the slam death scene um a band called short bus pile up who only did <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They only did they only did one record. It was called uh, Repulsive Display of Human Upholstery. Um and uh you know, it's a, a band with one record, but that record went off like a nuke in, you know, the brutal death scene. And there's a lot of stuff on this record that I think comes directly from that record. Um and i think hardcore kids also listened to that record that was that was a huge one that's worthy of talking about more um, but i think this also relates to the age of the guys in this band the idea of this like agglutinative idea of death metal because imagine if you're if you're just a little bit younger than us then you grow up with brutal death and slam and kind of early deathcore stuff just in the background that's just part of death metal to you. So, something we haven't talked about, but is on basically all these samples, is there's full-fledged slams in this, but they glide by. You don't think of them as, like, big slam riffs in the way that the slam. it.
1: definitely did. had a slam, didn't it?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. There's huge slams across this record, but they don't present them the same way. Mm. But it, it shows you, okay, so brutal death and slam death, that's like background radiation. And that's just part of death metal for younger guys now, you know, and that's awesome. That's, that's the way you tie all these things together. I think we were talking at one point, uh, uh I forget which band it was. It was like, how do we make, uh, how do you make slam or brutal oh, yeah. death metal? Yeah. How do we bring that into mainline death metal? And this is the way you do it. You just fucking do it as a a natural part of how you make your sound, make your songs. It's God, this is a fucking good record.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's good. Yeah. And, um, I hear what you mean. You know, I, they, they hid the slams under the slayer riff, So I didn't even realize I was eating them.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It's like, you know, they put the vegetables under the meat for you. (laughs) that's,
1: That's how you can get millennials to eat their slams. (laughs) uh, yeah so yeah maybe the whole reason that like old school rooted down mainline death metal has been so fucking boring is it's just the fault of people our age yeah possibly
0: i i think Mm -hmm. that there's kids right now i mean if this is i mean this is the litmus people our age are are like
1: five years older because it was god-awful boring in 2010 too
0: yeah, it was, but now we've got kids in their like early to mid twenties who are just blowing shit up like this. Are it's we like,
1: finally yeah. past the sweet death glut? Did that? Oh, quietly, we are. Because it was still going. It had sort of transferred over to the hardcore scene as this sort of like canned HM two crap thing. That must still be around,
0: but like, oh yeah, it's and it's still around in metal too. But like. I mean that's that's nostalgia bait for people our age and older now.
1: Has has Maggot Stomp basically because that was like the going candidate for default fun bang your head, meat and potatoes death metal for a long time, and it was not a very satisfying one. So is it that Mag and it sort of it astonished me how long that lasted. That it was mm-hmm. revivalism from the beginning, and it had like an a fifteen year run. Uh, <laughs> almost between ten and between ten and fifteen years of the same revival as sound. And so did and it seems to have quietly rolled over and whimpered and died. The, the,
0: the, the revival movement lasted longer than the gap between the origin and the revival movement.
1: That is absolutely true.
0: <laughs> it's like 15 years later, so people are like, like, oh, we're bringing back old school Sweet Death. And it's like, it just died like three years ago, the
1: original thing. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, the best, I mean, the still the best Sweet Death revival record was just written by the drummer of Entombed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, like nobody's beaten Death Breath to this day. He he wrote that right. Re- he wrote those records like two thousand eight or something or seven. Um, anyway, so okay, that's a tangent. All right, what do you got? Um, so I got another sample. Um, and here, as far as the range of sounds on here, um. This is the title track, and here you get something that's closer to a pure modern beatdown moment.
0: That one definitely justifies the whole like slayer hypothesis.
1: Yeah, just when you're thinking, oh, this sounds more like a beatdown thing, right? They just mm-hmm. uh yeah. Um so one thing this band does really well, one problem they solve, right? I mean Uh s- several things to say at once. I mean, first of all, I mean it's hard to pick which is the sickest of those riffs. Yeah. Um, Like, what's really cool is the way they're using that um, that, that sweep at the beginning.
0: Oh, dude, it's the only time sweeps have ever been cool.
1: (laughs) Yes. Big chugga-chugga riff, sweep punctuate. And that really relates to the skinless thing. Because it's like, Mm -hmm. what can you do? Okay, how do you use what if death metal instead of having this kind of like like sort of um territorial sort of hackles raised thing about brainless hardcore rhythms what if death metal was like oh well i mean at its brute, death metal's also supposed to be pretty brainless and i mean uh-huh. blast beats are brainless by definition you know like um uh w- w- like what if we're just okay with hardcore rhythms of getting mm-hmm. all up in arms about it, and with hardcore at its most chugga-chugga. Um, if you embrace those basic rhythmic frames, then what death metal allows you to do is just like, do way more shit in them than a hardcore band can do. So, the the sweep pick, and then they lock it into just that sick, um, really, the, a, a consistent technique throughout this record is the up-tempo two-step. Mm-hmm. And they lock it in using the sweep riff. Just that's crushing, and I, I'll say, like, there aren't many of the trademark caveman straight arm skank riffs on this record. Yeah, don't need to be because those excellent up tempo two steps do exactly the same thing better. Um, yeah, uh, and then, yeah, and then after that, they just light it up with the Slayer shit. So, um, I don't
0: oh, the know the Slayer shit goes crazy. That's like that's the most obvious Slayer moment are those yes. back-end riffs there. <laughs>
1: well, Holy and, fuck. And when we faded when we faded the sample out, too, it's like they just finished some Slayer riffs and they're starting some new Slayer riffs, right? Uh, <laughs> and they're so good. They're like, I mean, Slayer stopped writing riffs that good pretty much right after Rain and Blood, honestly. I mean, like... Um,
0: yeah, no, it's, it's, and it's amazing how it's like... But, like, I, I'd like to go back and it's like, obviously Slayer riffs, Slayer riffs, Slayer riffs across this record that never feel like thrash you know it's no, it's they, fascinating they only, the reinterpretation they
1: only, they only pick up on the coolest parts of slayer like they only pick up on the death metal and hardcore aspects of slayer riffs
0: yeah also, I no, appreciate and, you saying earlier that it's like Slayer is this whole idea of the Big Four, Slayer's completely apart from all those other the bands. The
1: Big Four, yeah. those other three bands suck, and Slayer rules. Um, yes. Uh, yes. I, <laughs> I mean, I'll pick 10 songs. I mean, Metallica made some, one important technical technological contribution, which was the sort of uh, just extremely percussive root note chug. We have to thank them for that, and about 10 songs on the first two albums. Um, that's fair yeah Yeah. but um but yeah so like um in terms of so yeah this is sick and another thing it does well so another thing that a band like this can do so if one thing it can do is do way more stuff in the rhythmic space provided by sort of the classic 90's metalcore format it could also do things that the modern beatdown bands are very bad at which is fast parts good <laughs> right
0: yes yes the, that's true
1: The modern beatdown bands, like, there are occasionally bands that succeed at going only slow, and some bands realize that, okay, this is our strong suit, and then you get down-tempo, right? Yeah. But very often in these bands, the fast parts exist solely to set up mosh parts, and they're simply not very good, but, like, all the riffs should be good.
0: Well I mean this this goes back to your idea. I forget which band we were covering on the show, but mm-hmm. your your thesis statement which I've come to basically agree with, which is that death metal needs hardcore to create rhythmic developments and hardcore needs death metal to develop mm-hmm. riff ideas, you know. And I think this is the synthesis of those ideas right here. 200, I mean, two hundred stab wounds could play a hardcore show as easily as they could a death metal show.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is um. Yeah, I, I see what you mean. Thanks for th- th- thanks for reminding me of that. I mean, yeah, I mean, we've talked about versions of that a few times in the show. Maybe I mentioned that in Hanging Fortress.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, probably. Hanging
1: yeah. Fortress is a band that. Although build as death metal basically works in hardcore rhythmic forms, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, they've got they've got like a bury your dead style hardcore track on their mm-hmm. on their album we covered last year. Um, so real quick, I, I'll get to my final sample. So Drilling Your Head. We'll listen to the whole thing, it's a two minute song. So here's where we're gonna show our age a little bit. A uh, lot a lot of kind of younger guys listen to our show, like mid-20s and younger, which doesn't seem like a big gap, but in terms of like a music scene it actually is. So you're about to hear a bunch of very groovy, obviously hardcore inspired riffs that I do remember from 2000's Death Metal, but we never thought of them as hardcore. We didn't have that vocabulary because back then there was still a serious sort of animosity between metal and hardcore now everybody listens to everything it's completely different but the idea is these ideas have existed musically for 20 plus years now but we have a different interpretation Let's think about uh, like a, a great example would be a band like Jungle Rot, who basically play like downtuned Madball songs and turn them into death metal songs. Oh so,
1: yeah, your old favorite Jungle Rot. Yes. Oh, Jungle Rot is so, so fucking good. The death <laughs> and metal I, and guy used to the death metal guy used to legitimately piss off other death metal fans by telling them he liked Jungle Rot.
0: Yes, yes, and also, and here adding to the idea of the synthesis, Jungle Rot, a band that had been on Century Media, was just a standby band, is on Victory Records now. So you, it makes perfect sense. I, I was like your,
1: I was like your, like you know, like I was the person you could talk about hardcore with. You, <laughs> yeah. you, you came, you came to me like, "Am I crazy? These hardcore bands, they sound good." And I'm like, "You're not crazy, death metal guy." exactly so
0: well let's let's listen to drilling your head and yeah here we go jungle rot in 2021 let's go Holy fuck.